Welcome to the Extra Pass podcast presented by Melbourne United. I'm your host, Ben Hopkins, joined as always by my co-host, Adam Ballinger. Balls, we're back. Finally. Uh, apologies to our fans. Apologies to, I mean, if anybody's still listening after what, five weeks of, of no shows. Oh, the people have been clamoring for it. Well, you got to, if you got to power through, if you want to keep a, if you want to build this up to our only job, professional job, <laughs> we're going to have to do like three times a week and not worry about Christmas or anything like that. But all right, I'm back. I, if I can remember how to do this, um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, well, we're looking forward to talking to our guests. We've got a very special guest today, Pete Hooley, coming in, ex-United champion, now NBL media superstar. Pete, <laughs> thanks for having us. Thanks of those, for being here. One of those is true. No, it's uh, it's all good. I couldn't jump in last week, so maybe the, the extra week off yeah. is my fault. Um, but as you would know, Ballsy, it's what happens when a, there's a kid in the, in the uh, fray and around that time, even though Christmas isn't that I say important, but she has no idea what's going on. She gets gifts because it's a Tuesday. Um, but yeah, it is. Uh, it's a bit of a juggle, but it's all it's all good fun. I feel like I've got a young nephew, and this Christmas he was he was very good when he was playing the role of Santa, where he's just like, "Here, give this to Aniel, give this to Nana, give this to Gug." And but when he didn't have anything to do, that's when the issues started. No, ours is uh, we're at the age we we went for a walk last week in the morning just to get out of the house, and there was a footy clinic on, and she picked up a footy. Which I'm okay with. I'm like she's going to be a giant, um, but I said you have to give it back. It's not yours. And full on tantrum. And like to the point where I got to the other side of the oval, and I was like, if I just leave her here, <laughs> just go have an hour to have a coffee. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a challenge, but it's a beautiful challenge. So it's a uh, it's all about juggling. Ball magnet sounds like maybe strong midfielder. Yeah, it's uh to be honest, I'm after the Australian Open, really trying to get a racket in the hands as soon <laughs> as possible. But I've already uh, I'm about to invest in the uh, toy golf clubs as well. Yeah, I was going to say golf. That's also, what you want, right? You want to yeah. get cuz that gets me on the course yeah. more regularly and it starts with what does she have to do before she can learn to swing? Carry my bags. And that <laughs> gets me on the course and then she gets more enjoyable out of that and then that's we go and we just retire early and travel the world. That's the plan. Yeah, I don't know if it'll go that way, but we'll see what happens. It worked for Tiger Woods. That's what I'm going to try and do it as early as possible. But in the end, whatever she wants to do, whatever she's a lead at, well, uh, I'm sure the mum wants to get her running around <laughs> a, a track, but so be it. But are you happy to be her caddy when she's on the tour? 100%. What, absolutely. Whatever it is, I will be there doing it all. If I has to be doing water bottles, doing it all, it doesn't matter. Well, we could talk about this until the cows come yeah. home. But <laughs> I feel like we should talk some basketball. We've been off for five weeks. A lot's happened in between that time. You have the open air game, you have our long road trip and now back here leading into this sort of last three rounds. It's been a, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. I think, I mean, Balls and I can obviously talk about the excitement of the open air game and just sort of the spectacle that it was. But uh, yeah, I guess I guess take us through your guys' thoughts on, on this sort of roller coaster of the last few weeks. Um, I mean, from being a former player, it, once you get out on the road um, – a roller coaster is a good way to put it. I think the the way we fought back after kind of a loss is really really positive. Um, but I don't know. You know, you're never going to go through a season uh, without some ups and downs. We certainly had ours at this point in the season, and around that Christmas time, holiday time, away from families. Uh, you know, to add that into the mix, you get as much as you don't want to admit it. There are varying levels of excitement for each game. You know, I mean, some of them you're really up for, and other ones you kind of think. I do wish I was home, right? You know, there's other stuff going on. You're dealing with family, a lot of different things. Um, and that can creep in some. I'm not making excuses, but, uh, you know, if that's my behind the curtain a little bit. Um, I don't have any inside info. I'm just going from when I was playing. Uh, but the open air game, to go all the way back to that, 
on the 23rd, which feels like last season. That was awesome. It was really was a special thing to be a part of. And the overtime and the, the atmosphere is, um, it was, it was pretty neat. I missed that. Unfortunately, being in attendance, uh, it was, uh, been, been at nearly every other open air game, commentating or doing something like that. So to have to go into dad mode and, and miss out on watching that, <laughs> just watching it on TV. But it was, uh, I mean, the spectacle looked incredible, but so was the basketball. And I, I think that's what a lot of us are seeing from from the outside looking in is you've also got Melbourne United, or Melbourne United has a target on their back, right? And that's what happens when you're at the top of the ladder. Everybody's going to give you their best shot. And uh, going to a couple of the games, I've had to be sidelined for a game up in Sydney, the first one up in Sydney, uh, and even in down in Tassie, and just talking to some of the guys and what they're saying. And uh, it's funny to hear, I think um, it might have been yours or someone else was saying that uh, when they came back from New Zealand, that regional trip, and, and they landed, they were thinking, if we had to play a game right now, there's no way we could possibly win. Uh, and they were thinking from New Zealand who went to Sydney and, and nearly lost by 30 because they just said it was a tough road trip. But um, that's what happens when you're on top of a ladder. People are going to come for you. But it's uh, it's as everybody else, maybe not for you guys, but it's really exciting, isn't it? Because you want to have – I mean, everybody wants other than players probably a five-game championship series, a three-game semifinal series. You want everything to go right to the end, and that's just the beauty of basketball. Well, that would just give us more stuff to talk about on the podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, so more that's just episodes. Content. We need more content. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I guess w- when you come off the open air game and go into this long road trip, you know, seven games on the road, over a month on the road, and you're, uh, what were we, 14 and three, and you're in a really commanding position and you, and you head into these games, I guess, can you take me through as former players the mindset maybe that well, we've just got to get out and do whatever we can to keep this margin on top of the ladder? what's that like, especially when you're battling with, okay, every week, it doesn't matter. You know, you obviously get the time in Melbourne with your family, but every week or every weekend we're heading on the road, we're going to another hostile environment and someone to sort of knock us off. The road trips alone are, I think, difficult for, for every team, but also the the continuity of having key players coming in and out. And we're seeing that mm. throughout the league right now, and I think it's uh, it's something that's holding a lot of teams back to playing their best basketball consistently is not just – having a couple of guys here or there out. It's key guys. And, and I mean, we've seen that throughout the entire NBL 24. And you've got a, a piece or two that are going to be playing 15 to anywhere from 15 to 35 minutes in a final series who are out. And then other people have to change their roles and then they come back in and you've got to get them back to their best at 35 minutes. And then whoever was just stepped up. I mean, I look at you guys, I'm looking at Tanner Krebs, right? He'd come in and been his unbelievable but at full strength, where's his minutes? They're not going to be at the 25 to 30 because you've got so much talent around. So I think that's really hard to juggle. And I think that's why we see so many teams in Atlanta consistently changing is because around this time of the season, whether it's a road trip or not, players are injured. There's, there's players doing all this. There's certain things you can't control. And that is hard to figure out on the fly. Yep. That was a perfect answer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, the travel is, you know, it, sometimes it, uh, Sometimes it's good. Sometimes mm. it's good to get away from distractions. You know, if you got a family, you hate to leave them, but it is easier to sleep on the road. <laughs> it is easier to, to concentrate on the game. But just fundamentally, wherever you're at, it's so much harder to play on the road just because of the venues you're at. And this this league is so such a close league. And like we said, we had a couple injuries, a couple guys out, key guys out. Um, it's just harder to play on the road. I mean, just no matter what, you've got to be really mentally tough and um, a very close together team to put on a string of wins in on the road. Um you know, but I think the, the the most positive part about all of it is we fought back after every loss. I think it was a win every single time, um, and that's that's what that's what you want to see. Yeah, I think it's one of those things. And I know, I know Cam Luke said it before the season that he didn't think United would have 
back-to-back losses all year and it's still something that hasn't happened yet. Is that is that something that, I guess, you, Pete, as, a, as someone who's sort of analysing the whole league and looking at the whole league, when you look at United's ability to bounce back after every game, that's really impressed you? Or I guess what's been the sort of thing you've seen? I know when the boys have talked about it, they just said like, when we're not happy with the performance, we identify what needs to be better and we go out and we do it because we're all just ultimate competitors. I mean, both having played under Dino and also seeing it now from the outside in, it's it's the Dean effect. It, this is what he does. And again, it's uh, I liked, I believe in flush games, believe it or not. I don't know if many coaches do these days. So if you go out there and just lay an absolute egg and you're just like, that is so out of character for that team, some coaches will just be like, we're not even going to review it. That's just so out of character. There's no point because we know what we did wrong. I believe in that. But I think Dino is like, well, if we lose by – I remember we lost back in 2018. I think we lost to Perth by 38 or something before the FIBA break. And just at home, one of the worst games I think we've ever seen. And uh, right – worst timing. And I still talk about it to this day because uh, I think the next morning or the morning after, I'm like, well, there's two weeks. We're not going to watch that. But we, we watched basically like the, the first half or Brutal. two just whole a- quarters. And then we're like, okay, we've got to – we got two weeks and the guys have gone to play boomer stuff and we we're at MMA. That's when MMA started mm. and we're beating the crap out of each other into the point. That was the hardest session of my life workout. And then we had to go play five and five and uh, all of that. So the, he doesn't believe in that kind of stuff. And you can see that, okay, there's a loss. How, how do they bounce back from it? And to their credit, they've done that. And I, I bring up Kansas. Firstly, talking about road trips, Kansas, oh, I keep bringing this up on the broadcast. Kansas is a tough road trip. If you're not from Cairns or if you're not from the north of Australia, going to Cairns is the humidity, just everything. The is, second you walk off the plane, it's like a punch in the face. And you don't humidity. understand unless you've been there to play, right? Because I, I remember we used to go up there and we've changed uh, uh, hotels a couple of times, but the first one we, we stayed at, I can't remember what it was called, but they had a nice pool and there was a – bar not that we're swimming up to the bar in <laughs> pregame but we're out there we're in the pool because you need to obviously stay fresh but we're, we're playing uh, with soccer balls we're playing with, with volleyballs we're doing all of that but you're just getting drained without even realizing and then in the morning your game day routine on the road find a coffee shop you're out walking in the heat again in the humidity your nap might be uncomfortable thrown off and it is just a really hard place to especially start well and it's no surprise that a lot of teams go up to cans and struggle early because they're just used to it well it's a good thing we've only got one road game left and it's against there's nothing you can do about it unless the weather is nice i could people laugh at me all the time because everyone's like no perth would be the hardest because you've got four and a half hours and uh, all the time difference but i think that uh we like playing in perth well i think that's gone back to i remember 2018 2019 so uh we started to win over in perth after it was so feared for so long because certain things are in place i'm sure all the game day routines and stuff have changed now but um on the flip side of that perth have brought the jungle back and it is a tough place to go in and play albeit from except last weekend but yeah it's uh road trips are like just unique every single one is unique yeah every, every you're right they are did you ever play in townsville you were no. in townsville wasn't around it was kind of the same idea i was um, nearly a croc too ballsy i was nearly a croc out of college before they folded. oh yeah yeah <laughs> well there it's like a the hotel's connect it's got a casino in it and mm. it's got a really nice pool and you just walk to the gym it's it's connected by a sidewalk um but if you're not focused and not ready, like it's easy distractions, you can get out in the heat. You don't want to be sitting by the pool before the game. It sounds really tough. We're really complaining about sitting in a pool <laughs> yeah. at a hotel. If the coffee's not right, my nap, oh, my nap was terrible. <laughs> um, but they are different. And I think there are certain places where as a team, like in Perth, we've gotten over the hump. So in Perth, we go there expecting to win. Same as Cairns, but we haven't necessarily got over the hump there yet. For some reason, it's tough for us to play there. And until we get a big win, um, it's still going to be maybe in the back of our minds going in. Well, you've both played outside of the NBL in, in college. Um, 
what were some of the toughest road trips that, mm. that you guys went? Mine went will be a lot different to the private jet life of this man. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did have private jets, but they were, they were all, I mean, they were all in the big 10. It just Northwestern would have been the easiest one. It's still a hard place to play. Like you still got uh, the fans and the students that are yelling at you. The, the hardest part is we used to practice, have a hard practice the day before the game. Uh, and then we'd, Shower, get straight on a plane, fly the plane there, go straight to the venue, have an hour and a half shoot around, which wasn't relaxing. There's nothing relaxing about <laughs> college basketball for me. And then you go straight to the hotel, you watch film, you go to bed, you wake up, you do a, a like an intense shoot around the morning of, and then you play the game that night. And then you fly home after the game that night. Um, that was None of it was like, and then here you, go to you get a little bit of chance. Here, yeah, then you go to class. Wow. Holes <laughs> was, was always going. Uh, I'm sure he was, but I'm sure there's some other players uh, that I mean, been through that not school. Everybody went to class, but you know, <laughs> they did check a lot after the after the game, just if, especially after a loss. Mm. You better go to class. <laughs> um, but I mean, it was in. It really prepares you for professional basketball because you're going in just a wall of students that know everything about you, and um, if you win, it's a heck of a feeling. I mean, there's no better feeling. But when you lose, like, and it does get in the back of your head, like, man, we got to go to, I don't know. Ohio State again. So it's just a hard. It's a hard thing to do. That'd be hard venues. I don't have the. We. I think we traveled on a private jet twice, and when we made the tournament three tournament, times. Yeah, Big yeah. Time. And the other one was only because uh, we had to drive because it was in Philly. We played Duke in Philly, so there well, was Duke, there was no way Duke to drive. Is a, Duke is a tough place to go. We didn't go to Cameron. No, it was it? It was in Philly. It was uh, for the round first round of the only tournament. Uh, okay, but the okay. hardest road trip for us was uh, because we bust everywhere. Unless it was very unique that we fly. Unless it was onto the west coast. But uh, we used to have to go up to Maine, which was like eight and a half hours on a bus, Maine. right? <laughs> yeah. So we had to go up to Maine, and we'll always be. In, uh, in the winter where there's going to be blizzards and everything. And I remember, I think it was my junior, might have been my sophomore year. And uh, we used to always put our food orders in beforehand, right? It, that was when when things were going well and you could kind of pick what you want. You want a pasta, you want a pizza, you want something. And it's always on your chair when you finish and you've got all the Gatorades and everything upstairs um, on the bus. And uh, we went up there and laid an absolute egg in Maine. And we got in, and I'm just like, man, we've got eight and a half hours through the oh. night, right? To get, and that was just the way oh, it was. We didn't bad. stay overnight. We had to go, um, and we jumped on, and there was just cheese, cold cheese pizzas <laughs> for everybody on the bus. Oh. And we think went, about what you've done. And we went through, and normally there's like, we, I, the amount of times I've watched semi pro on that bus trip. Yeah, I was going to say, school, it's a scene out of semi pro. But we yeah. watched, that's, we watched the same movies over and over, but the, the TVs got turned off as well. So it was like, <laughs> you, and no one's going to have, no one's going to go and laughing or anything because we've lost. And then you'd get home through a blizzard at like six o'clock in the morning. And if you had an 815 class, you guarantee there's an assistant coach there ready to check. And I, the amount of times I remember that a player didn't go and they're like, I'm just too tired, which is understandable. And then we all get a text in the group chat at nine o'clock saying team bonding on the court at 12. Oh. And you're like, well, this isn't good. And then that's where crab suicides, I learned what crab suicides were, suicide trios, the amount of stuff that are just, you'd go until someone vomited and then you learn never do it again. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. We used to, no matter what, we'd come back. So if we got in at 2 a.m., we'd have to sit in the locker room and Coach Izzo would talk to us. And if it was a loss, I mean, he'd go on for an hour, an hour and a half. <laughs> just, you know, all the stuff he wants to get off his chest. That's from 2 to 3 in the morning. <laughs> you got practice the next day, you got class the next day, and just, it never ended. Like, there was never, it was never like, Oh, we're gonna flush that game like you talked about. Yeah. It was never like, oh, these guys can handle themselves or let them go for you know, give them, give them from the hours of two a.m. <laughs> till six a.m. <laughs> off to, to kind of unwind. It was just that's how you can pay for national titles. Yeah, though. but it, it does prepare you for mm. um, for professional basketball or whatever life brings after that. That's for sure. Well, I guess we talk about that and we talk about the importance of you know getting 
to play on your own home court. We're about to see that in three of our last four games. But if we win these last four games, you lock up top spot on the ladder, you lock up home court advantage throughout the entire playoffs. How important is home court advantage in the NBL and especially this year where we see anyone can beat anyone on any given night? How crucial is it to, I guess, hope that we get these good results the, the past few weeks, uh, the next few weeks and, and lock in that home court advantage? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's crazy because anyone can beat anyone. But when you come to – you're thinking about a five-game championship series when, again, we're just talking about road trips. If you have three of those where you're sleeping in your own bed and you're doing your normal game day routine, that's that means a lot firstly. But then you throw in the fact that uh, a lot of these games in the championship series are going to go down to the wire and you're going to have what, – what's the – we talk about the sixth man, but it's, it's going to be playing in front of your fans. And, uh, yes, Melbourne's played really well in Perth the last couple of years, but a championship series and that place – 13,500 going crazy. That just adds a little bit more to a game. So I think it's very important. And uh, I go back to, to 2019 and game four. And the, I mean, love talking about my championship year, but the year after that, we tried to run it back and Perth were cutting down the nets on the home floor in game four. And, and that's one of the worst feelings ever. I mean, you talk about losing a championship and losing it on your home floor. It's like, that's not, again, it's not supposed to happen, but mm. it's also, uh, it's a really tough pill to swallow. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure every team and it's what Tassie have been trying to build up trying to take care of event, uh, uh, business at home and build up that kind of uh, fortress. And uh, that's what the, the really good teams do. Yeah, it's what makes the preseason – or the not the preseason, but pre-playoff season, mm. the season. The regular season. Yeah, <laughs> the regular season. That's what I was looking for. I told you it's been five weeks. Yeah. I forget what we're talking about. You haven't spoken to anyone in the past five weeks. <laughs> it's what makes the regular season so important. I mean, that's the reason you play, and that's why everyone's trying to you know finish the top one, two spots are so important because uh, it, it doesn't guarantee anything, but it does make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to find out a bit more about you, Pete, after oh. the break, because we're going to get into Balls' favourite part of the episode, everyone's favourite part of the episode, Fast Five. So we'll get to that after the break. Want to stay up to date with everything happening at Melbourne United? Download the Melbourne United app today. Filled with videos, audio and articles about your favourite team. It's the one-stop shop for everything Melbourne United. Download the Melbourne United app via the App Store on iOS or the Google Play Store on Android. And we're back on the Extra Pass podcast, and it's time for Fast Five with Balls. Ready? This is Fast Five with Balls. Been waiting for this the whole time. Now we're on to the uh, the fun stuff. Yeah, they're hard hitting, so I hope you're ready. All right, Pete. Here we go. I know you're excited for this. You're in media. You know you're around celebrity types. You might even say you're a celebrity yourself. No, so I'm absolutely sure, not. Absolutely. Not. I'm sure you've heard of the. Well, he walked into the Melbourne United offices, just big timed everyone. Like a lot of people he's known for years, just walked past yeah. straight into here. No, a lot of new faces since 2018. <laughs> The tsunami of like of excitement that this segment has brought. I mean, I don't know. If, I don't know if this format's ever been done before. Five questions. You don't have your uh, you don't have your own little sponsor and stinger for this yet. There is there is a, is a jingle. There's a stinger, but it gets put in in post. I okay. need a sponsor. Okay, yeah, that's what we got. I'm open about. for sponsorship. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, so Huli, we got a uh, history. So. Mm-hmm. You started practicing with us, and I was trying to remember when it was. I thought it might have been back, even back 2007, mm-hmm. but you're saying it's 2010. Yeah. So 2007 was my first year in Adelaide. That was with Phil Smythe. Uh, 2010 was um, a transition year. Every year when I was there was a transition year. <laughs> but um, this was, you know, Marty Clark would come in, and you were a practice player. Mm-hmm. Just uh, nobody. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. uh, in, I had to win that too. I oh yeah, I mean, I remember you showing it. up. Yeah, there was a tryout and there was everything. And um, but I knew then, like this guy is going to be a player. Like this guy is going to be um, 
he, he's going to have a career. He's going to have, he's going to be successful because in practice, you always, you know, like to get the practice players of the practice team. And they're really like, they're not paying attention to you. They're there to practice. They're there for the scout. And uh, he would always go so hard. He knew no difference. <laughs> there was no difference to him of like walk through or like, you know, let, let this guy get this backdoor cut so we can make the play look good. So we mm. can coach can feel good about it. He was always injuring players <laughs> <laughs> and he never, he never had any, like he never slowed down. He always, always been hard no matter what the situation was. And uh, you did, you had a career. Um, you went to off to play college, uh, had a professional career. And that was always really neat to see from afar. Um, when did you know, like, cause I said, like you just working your way up, you're just a nobody who got that spot. And mm. then when did you know you could play maybe in college? College was uh, the first couple signs. Yeah, you know? it was probably uh, honestly it wasn't until second year of under twenties. I would say maybe the first year of under twenties because I was such a late bloomer with everything. I mean, my uh, I was Division two until under eighteens, and I never really thought about that. My twin sister was so much better than me, and watching every um, for all the for all the country players out there in the Albury with Donga tournament, so where they take the the two teams, the twenty, and they select ten from that to go to the country national. Uh, to represent country and nationals for whatever state. I wasn't even making that for a couple of times. And I was like, am I not in the top 20 in country, in country <laughs> South Australia? So I was always the second. And I had a bit of a growth spurt in under 18s. And then um, Peter Berry was his name for Nord Flames. So his, his brother was the, the coach for the Division 2 team. He said, you need to put him in Division 1. And I started to, to bloom from there. But it probably wasn't until I made 20s nationals when they combined where I started to think that I could have a, a chance of doing this. And uh, college was really the, the option back then, wasn't it? You had to kind of go to college if you wanted. And to be honest, it was just starting to become big. It was Patty, it was Delhi who had kind of put uh, college. And um, in my mind, I was like, I just want to go and play and experience this. So I was thinking a lot of Division Two colleges. And uh, Ben Madgen, uh, he was mm -hmm. coming off a really good time there. So I was thinking, okay, Division Two might be – where it's at uh, for all that. But I remember mum and dad at the time paid, I think it was five grand for me and five grand for my sister for a college scouting service. Cause really? there, there was nothing. Yeah. My yeah. under twenties highlights, I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube is my dad videoing the stands. I got a dunk in the first game. I'll pull it up, Lockie. <laughs> you won't see it because he's still down the other end. If he gets to move the camera, you just see everybody <laughs> clapping at the end. But that's, and I had to cut it up myself because I, he was just in the stands and uh, it's a whole lot different now. But um, the guy who they paid the recruiting service from uh, sent one email to one school and then disappeared with the money. You never saw I was going to say, did that actually work? It seems like again. all those things. But the, the school that he did email was uh, St. Rose in Albany, New York, which is the Division Two school five minutes down the road from where I actually went to college for Division One in Albany. So, um, yeah, there was an Albany connection. Uh, Phil Collins, who was at uh, Maitland, New South Wales, and then uh, put himself on to, to Will Brown and my coach, and, and the rest was history. But, yeah, it wasn't until probably the first year of my 20s where I thought college was going to be a chance. Yeah. Uh, and it, was it all Albany? Were you there for the whole time? Yeah, five years. Five uh, years. I was going to be a – Five years is a long time. Dion Waiters, Dion Waiters stepped yeah, on my I foot. I was also in college <laughs> for five years. <laughs> it's, it's a long time. Yeah. Like you, <laughs> that fifth year is like – Oh, I Man. mean, it's still fun, but it's a lot. It's uh, it's when you start walking through and people, if they know who you are and they come up to you and you're just like, uh, are you a freshman? Okay. I'm, yeah, yeah. So, I'm, I feel like Perry Ellis. Over I got, here. yeah, I got made fun <laughs> of how old time. I was. Like 18 yeah. year old kids. Yeah. I mean, I was 22, but now would, that seems very young. Geez, I would have been 23, 24. Well, you used to, cause you're yeah. Australian. So you started even mm. later than I did. Um, all right. Good answer. And then professionally, like, did you through your, after your college career, did you think that 
the NBL was a definite possibility. Yeah, I think uh, once I started to have a bit of success in, in Albany, probably after the second year, um, I was starting to think I wanted to, to play professionally and it would have been um, in the NBL, but also because uh, my dad is British, I was really open to playing. This is mm. before Brexit, so I was like, I want to go to Europe, right? I want to mm. be able to use my British passport and, and do all of that. And uh, around the my last two and a half years, I mean, before everything happened with mum, it was uh, – I wanted to go over to Europe because the NBL was like, the NBL might be gone. Like the way yeah. the NBL was going, I was like, yeah. the NBL is in a bit of trouble here. And I was like, keeping an eye on it, I was still invested, but I was like, damn, this doesn't look like when I left it, when I was playing, running around with Ballsy in the, in the mornings down in, in Finden. And um, for then, and then I remember I, I, everything that happened, I wanted to go back home and uh, the Crocs came up as a possibility. And that was the one that we chatted to with my agent and saying, yep, it looks like I'm going to be a Townsville Croc and went to bed and excited about that and woke up in, in New York and uh, there was no more thing. <laughs> there was no more thing about Townsville. They paid Pete too much money, yeah. signed for too much. I was like, we can't pay that. And, uh, <laughs> and then that was it. Everyone else had kind of found a home, so I had to head overseas. You went overseas and then mm. and then how'd you get the NBL? Well, then I ended up uh well I used my British passport, but I ended up uh with a uh, Reese Carter in uh in Plymouth in, in England and we played uh and spoke to Reese. I knew Reese from the time we were together in Adelaide and I called him and he said, Look, it's an opportunity for us all to uh all to kind of play and you'll be in the rotation and uh it's uh, not a story for this podcast, but it was a really tough time for me. There was about five months that uh really sent me into a spiral of just a really bad way and I thought that uh, I thought I was going to quit basketball for good then I was just uh, a lot of stuff that happened to me and was done to me it was just a really really poor situation uh, for me and then uh, Reese was kind of one to help me and say look if you want to continue to play you've got to leave and I said all right no worries I'm I guess I'll leave and I'll, I'll never forget I walked into to, to Plymouth and it wasn't it wasn't the, the club's fault it wasn't the, the people in charge there it was some other things and I uh, walked in and said, look, um, I think I've got to leave. Can I get a release? And they were, they were good about it and it was very emotional. And um, they said, yep, yeah, they said, have the car moved out of your apartment in the next two hours. And I was like, whoa. And, and my now wife was just moved over from America six weeks before and I called Reese. I slept on his toddler's bed uh, with her. And then I uh, went to London and, and flew home and ended up signing with Ballarat and kind of told my agent, I said, look, if I don't land in the NBL, uh, I'm done with basketball. It's okay. I was doing some radio stuff for local Ballarat's uh, – stations just trying to read the news there um and then he said look there's a sydney king's camp coming up that uh, they're looking for some players um for, to sign they had two spots left uh, it happened to fall on the monday after we did a tassie trip uh for nba on a sea ball at mm. the time so uh we got back sunday night at like 1 a.m so monday morning 1 a.m um, from Hobart and I just played two games and I had to sleep in the airport because I'd have been on a flight at 5.30 to go to Sydney and do this do this camp and um, and then I get told a week later that Daniel Dillon unfortunately does his Achilles and Melbourne United are looking for um, a potential replacement. And I'll never forget that because it was a Sunday afternoon I got the phone call that I was at an Airbnb in St Kilda because I was staying in Ballarat with a couple of my mates and I was probably six cc's deep <laughs> you know phone calls saying dean vickman wants you at training at 8am in the morning and i was like okay where's the water at i'm gonna need to get to bed and uh, i rocked up and i remember the training and it was like one-on-one for an hour right and i'm playing one-on-one majuk nearly broke my nose majuk majuk nearly broke my nose da was just scoring every time cg trained a little bit but at the time i'm like i still am but i was in like an awe of like i was like i, I can't touch this guy if, I, if he misses a shot i found him <laughs> and uh and then dino said look uh, i know you're going to sydney but we're not ready to um sign anybody yet so i went over to china with sydney and played really well and then ended up having a choice nice I had a choice between sydney and melbourne that's a good story yeah, <laughs> yeah. everybody has a different path to where they get well i think i think so many people forget in all professional sport but i guess especially in the nbl like 
life is not particularly glamorous, especially if you're the, you know, if you're the 13th guy, 14th mm. guy, if you're a training player, I mean, we've talked about Campbell Blogg's story, who's obviously a bit younger than, than you were when you were at that stage, but, you know, he was making zero money, mm. but here training full time and then he'd finish here and go deliver pizzas. Like it's not a particularly glamorous life, but the commitment that it takes to, to make it at the highest level is, you know, so extreme. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's a lot better now than it even was just a few years ago when I was running around. And I mean, that's half the half and even say half most of the reason why I decided to retire early. I was just mentally fried, and it's weird. I only played nearly three years of professional, and um, again, it was just I, this is why I have so much admiration, obviously, for the guys like Barlow and CG who have been doing it for so long, Jesse Wagstaff, these guys who, but more so, I've got admiration for those guys like Kevin White, right? Sean Bruce is now, he's found his niche in Sydney and doing a good job there. But those role players who consistently have to not change roles, but potentially change teams and bounce around. I mean, I moved, I moved house eight times in three years because you have to go to NBL one. If you're like I was, I mean, I'm not, wasn't making the big bucks. Yes. I was contributing to winning a championship, but uh, a lot of that meant I had to go and pick somewhere to play in the off season. So I had to pick my, my, fiance girlfriend at the time who just moved from America say hey you got to go get a new job in Ballarat for six months and then we got to move back and a beautiful um, part of the world that is I lived well, in Ballarat for a few well, years well I mean not in the middle of winter at 6 a.m it's probably the one time <laughs> when it's not but yeah it's a it, it led to what a really unsavory mental space for me mm. that I had to uh at 27 put my hand up and say this is this isn't for me and I'm going down a path I don't want to be in and uh it, well, it was a tough moment for me yeah, I guess you stepped on question number two a little bit, but I was going to ask, well, you know, you hung them up a, a little early. I guess you probably had a lot in the tank physically, um, but I, you mentioned, you know, it, and it is, you're right, it is hard for those role players, and you're talking about moving teams. It's not like it's not like in the NBA where you, you've been traded, you got to be there overnight, and it's like they set you up, they help you out. Obviously, money isn't, isn't a problem. Um, it's not cheap, you know, to move around, and, you know, if you've got, like your wife, you said, is here from – American, she's got to get a new job every every six months, and um, it is it's it can be a, a real grind. So, would that be the answer? I mean, just kind of mentally and just yeah. Kind of- um, I wouldn't say that I was like depressed, but I was like I wouldn't actually know what that I guess feels like. So it probably was to be honest. And uh, I mean, I look at any time in that second year. I mean, we won a championship, right? And I resigned, and um, then it was just I became a player. Went again. Um, when I knew that I was going to game days or practices and I was not afraid, but I was like to the point where I was, I guess it was an, it's an anxiety thing that I still deal with to this day. And I always put it back to what happened with, with losing my mum. But, um, when I'm like visibly like shaking before going to just play basketball, I'm just like, what's going on here? Yeah. And I was like, this is, this isn't okay. And, um, just trying to have an impact. And again, this is what happens with role players in certain roles. And I, I look back and I'm so thankful that I could have a big, part of winning a championship. I remember game one and I'll hold my hat and hang my hat on game one (laughs) and the heroics of that that people like to say. But um, in year two, I was just continually trying to find my place and and we were loaded. But anytime I went out there, I felt like all I was thinking about was don't miss an open shot. Do not turn the ball over. And again, that's why I just locked into playing defense because I was like, that's what's going to get me in the rotation. But um, a mistake or two here, you might not play for the rest of the game. And that got in my head. And then I went to go and play in the off-season NBA one and I where I used to thrive and I, again that's hard to do too as role players right when you go into an NBA one season and you're runner-up MVP and you're averaging nearly 30 points a game or whatever you're doing there and then you've got to go how do you break into this NBL team or if you're contesting for a title it's probably going to be a, a bench role that you've got to play defense right especially under Dino if you want to yeah. play you got to play D um and I just mentally just spiraled out of control and um, just had to have a hard conversation with myself. And I kind of looked at my wife now and 
she was always telling me that she was happy, but how could you be happy moving jobs seven times in three years? And um, just said, you know what, um, kind of learned from my mum that when she was going through everything and put someone else's happiness first. So I, I asked her and she said she was happy in Melbourne. Um, after the second year, she it kind of felt like Brooklyn, but not really, and uh, had um, some chances to look at going to New Zealand or Cairns or potentially out west, um, and even sign with Melbourne again. But I just said, look, it's not it's not worth doing that right now, and um, kind of entered that unknown, which was which was scary. But yeah, it was a I wouldn't say you know, it was it was a dark time. It was weird, man. It's all over. You was playing basketball, and the fact that it's got me to the point where I'm shaking before basketball. Like, what is that? Just putting a ball in the hoop. Mm. Um, but again, that's why I admire so many players who can do it for so long. But I, I think it, it takes a lot of strength to, for someone who's, you know, their whole life has been basketball to make a conscious decision that this isn't healthy for me anymore and to, and to make a decision for your own health, for your mental health, your physical health, but also just to say, like, I trust myself that whatever it is that's next, it's going to be better for me than what it is now. Well, yeah, and again, I, I look, I mean, uh, unless you've been through something so close, like to, to losing my mum as I keep talking about it, everything else became naive. Like I'm just like, this is just basketball, this is just sport, this is life, it'll figure itself out. But um, to go through such a long period of just being unhappy and knowing that it's not who you are, and I was like, this is this is a really rough period for me. And I was like, I'm, what makes me happiest? And it was my family, we had a dog at the time, and it was like, this is, this is all I care about. And again, it's... I had three months after that. I was like, "What am I going to do?" And I was, uh, I was thankful enough to um, that last year. I knew that I was kind of heading down that path. So I, again, I picked up the microphone when I was playing. I was doing all the videos for Melbourne and stuff like that. And then I kind of um, asked a couple of the NBL people, "Could I have an opportunity?" And they said they were full and commentating. And then eventually a gap opened up, and I, I had one opportunity. And the kind of the rest was history. But um, yeah, I look back now, and I'm proud that I did it. And that's why I hang around and I, I talk to a lot of the, the guys. I know nearly everybody in the league, but uh, I've kind of just got a couple names not circle but i'm just like i'm, I'm always going to be here if people want to talk because i've been through it all and i, I mm. see all that side of it unless um, a lot of people again would look at the top dogs being like they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars it'd be great but man i couldn't think of anything worse than being like an afl player right like you're constantly in the eyes of everybody and, and everyone's like well, you're making money you get through it I'm like, mm. it's, it's so much more than that yeah um, and especially like afl is so much different oh. to the nbl it's just you know, as someone who works in the media side of it, it's just like, oh, well, you know, we've got Chris Golding talking after mm. practice. We're going into our biggest game of the season. It's just like, oh, well, um, you know, the 23rd man for North Melbourne um, tripped over today. So we're going to North. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, but again, like I remember when Drew Holiday got traded, right, to Boston mm. and his wife put something up and saying how hard it was for the kids and all the comments online. And that's a whole other story. Um, people were just saying, um, like, oh, man, I mean, he makes hundreds of millions of dollars. He'll be fine. It's like you, you can't replace what a kid's going through in transitioning school and moving mm. out of it. Like now that I've got a child myself, it's even more so. But there's just so much more than putting a ball in the basket and, and put, getting money in your bank account that, um, yeah, so uh, again, I'm glad that I did it. But it was, a, it was a struggle there. I think it was 2019, 2020 before COVID hit that I didn't know where I would be sitting right now. Yeah, it, no matter when you stop, when, you mean you could retire in old age and it's still – it's still a tough thing to do, no matter what. But look at you now. You're on this prestigious podcast. <laughs> yeah, you finally made it. All right, on a lighter note, you're a big-time Twitter guy, or at least back in the day. I remember so back in 2010. I guess 2010, Twitter, the first time I knew it was like 2007. But it must have been 2010 when you discovered it because I remember you talking about it practice all the time. Remember Jan? Remember all those yeah. guys? Like, you're always like saying what you're going to tweet. I had like, the f hashtag this, first hashtag day. that. First day I came out in high school, I remember it because it, was, it <laughs> says, what are you up to? Like tweet your thoughts or something. And I was just like walking to the bathroom. And I was like, is this what we're doing? Yeah, this this think, thing's not going to be big. No, no, you, you were into it. And I think you just use it as like you're basically texting your friends, but yeah. you're doing it on Twitter. <laughs> 
Um, so since then, you've uh, you got a following. You've got twenty one thousand four hundred tweets. Yep. I tried to scroll back. It only let me go back. So now, have you ever changed your account? It's the same no, one. It's same always one. been the same yeah, one. Same one. Which one was your favorite? Tweet. Yeah. <laughs> you oh have one from like two thousand twelve. You can remember when you repost your game. Winner? See, I, you took the. I mean, that's the one that comes. To, I don't repost. I just retweet it because I have to. When that and it's coming up too. I'm surprised you didn't wait a couple months to get me on target <laughs> around March Madness. Um, yeah, it's probably something around that too. Yeah, his um, famous shot. So he's famous for YouTube. It if you haven't seen it. Uh, but your famous winner. game winner to get into the to win your conference tournament to get yep. into the into the tournament. Uh, that's a great one every year. I, I look forward to seeing that one every year. March Madness is different. Like I again, I haven't followed college basketball too much this year, but I'm about to start because when I got to do my bracket, like I take that seriously. Like, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is this is this is serious <laughs> stuff. I remember even in high school, like filling out my bracket, like. I reckon I do have the perfect. I reckon I'm yeah. going to win the whatever. Like, wasn't it? No one's ever like, done. It. No someone was like, done. "Oh yeah, I'm putting up a billion dollars yeah. for anyone. Yeah, yeah. I reckon I'm going to win a billion. Never this been year. done. There's no way a 15 seed will beat a two seed. Yeah. There's just yeah. no way. Or now 16 seeds. Yeah. UMBC. Who's that? Uh, they were in my conference. Shout out UMBC. That yeah. be who? Yeah. Beat Virginia or yeah. beat uh, Purdue? Because uh, Purdue Virginia. lost last year. Yeah, they beat Virginia. They're the first ones. I was in Indiana. A bunch of my friends went to Purdue. My brother went to Purdue, and they were one seed. And we were there. They had a big party all there watching the game. Mm. And they lost to a 16 <laughs> seed. And it was just. Hey, it's, that's what happens, man. You, 40 minutes between those, anything can happen. Yeah, it's only one game. It's but one for game. a non-Purdue fan, I wanted them to win, but it was still funny. Yeah, it is funny. to see their heartbreak. Yeah. Um, so would Twitter be your go-to social media platform still? I don't really use Instagram. I love to scroll Instagram, right? So I haven't got into the TikTok um, realm yet. I'm not into that. I don't think I will be, but uh, I do like to scroll Instagram and see what other people are doing. It used to always be Twitter. And again, it's probably still is because I do love conversing with, with people and fans and stuff, but it's um, it's always gone. really healthy conversation. Well, that's Twitter. the thing, right? So if it's, if it's healthy and again, like I do the awards watch in the NBL and um, I want people to come and, and disagree with me, but if you do it the right way and you have mm. some, stats or numbers behind that you're not just preaching your favorite player for whatever reason i love going back and forth with that um but the flip side of it is a really dark hole yeah to you can get on the wrong and, side um, and i've again it's taken me i've been five years doing like broadcast stuff it's taken me a few years to to kind of i guess get a thick skin but also understand that you're not going to be everybody's favorite yeah. and, and it's hard to understand but also my flip side of that is like do you have to put it out there that you don't like something yeah. it's, it's we we see it all the time with whatever but um i've got People, I've got players, not just not NBL players, but I've got professional athletes and I watch all the NBA games. So I've got all, all the sports and I've got commentators in America. I've got everything that people I just don't, they're not my flavor, but I just don't feel the need to go online and, and, and trash them for whatever because, again, they're doing what they, they're paid to do. They're doing their job. and um, So, yeah, it is. I guess that side of it makes it really disappointing to, to see stuff and it's hard to get away from at times. But I'm trying to do the best that I can do and I guess that's all you can control. Someone told me one time, um, early on when I was when I was struggling because you're getting all this I guess it's hate mail or essentially um, not as bad as when I played mind you because I missed the two free throws near Illawarra at the end of the four OT game and I had a guy oh, met, did yeah. you so I, I remember watching that game so but I don't remember that you missed two I, free I throws. subbed out as bench player about seven minutes ago in the fourth right so yeah. I subbed out and sat all three yeah. and a half <laughs> overtimes so why not and then I think yeah CG fouled out so Dino threw me like a minute to go and I got fouled been sitting for like an hour yeah, and uh, missed two free throws and Casper saved me with a, a big uh, block down the other end. And and someone, not only DM me some like death threat stuff, but someone DM my wife's identical twin saying that I hope the bus, 
like crashes on the way home and then the pizza's the only one. And I'm like, whoa. And I was like, this stuff is like, and I remember yeah. Newell's had stories about that as well. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's the side of it that uh, it still gets you to you, but you kind of understand that uh, this, some people just are destined not to be, don't choose happiness and I can't control that. That's a good way to look at it. Mm. Um, okay, moving on. All right, college life. So you seem, at least the, the Huli I knew before he went to college would have loved college. Mm. <laughs> I assume that you loved your time there. Loved it. So what? give me uh, three things you loved about the non-basketball, non-basketball That's college easy. life. Thursday night dollar beer nights at the local. What was the, did it have a name? Like WT's. WT's? Washington Tavern. Oh, it's called the Washington Tavern. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say WT's. We had the Land Shark. Yeah. Um, so I think they might have been extended it to Tuesday nights as well. But Tuesday's hard because it's middle of the week. You've still got dollar to Dollar beer too. Dollar beers, and you go in, and it's but it's what it's like Bud Light. It's all it's all those. Yeah, watered down Bud Light. Yeah, well, so it's a. But I used to go in there, and again, I'm just like, a, I can I can I get ten? And all the mates are like, you buy me a beer. I was like, yes, mate. It's yeah, it's, <laughs> it's okay. Like we'll just keep getting them. Um, so that w- would definitely uh, be one. Um, there was a, a thing called Tulip Fest, um, which is kind of like a, a big like day festival. Um, it's after the season, so like mm. that's something like we could look forward to doing because I never got a spring break five years, right? Uh, I hear you. Um, saw the Kooks live, naive. That was an absolute banger of a track. Um, and third, hmm, third would be my, actually my freshman year. Um, besides taking into the tournament because that's obvious, and they're, they're non basketball. We said, yeah. So um, there was a the Wendy's. Relax. Uh, I mean, there, there are a, rules to yeah, this segment. There, there, was, there was a Wendy's on uh, on campus and it got shut down after my first year, but the, the like little manager was like a big basketball fan and the line for the Wendy's on campus was insane. <laughs> but anytime you walk through, he'd see you, he'd come up and ask what you want, he'd just bring you out some Wendy's and stuff. So I guess I've lost my NCAA eligibility. Yeah, um, I was going to say then, for free, you can't, you can't, can't do that do back that. then. Yeah, back yeah. then, yeah. Um, he's got a lot of potential input. Couldn't, I couldn't even catch the rise of my assistant coaches to go to like promos. And, like, yeah, no. I couldn't I do any of that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, probably the, the little Wendy's hookup was nice. Nice. Yeah. Good answers. Um, did you get a frosty? Did you dip your fries in your frosty? No, nah, I wasn't that, but that's nah, what, that's no. what everybody does now. Yeah. I always got the chili, chili, uh, big old cheeseburger. You know, I like cheeseburgers. I know you like <laughs> cheeseburgers. Back then I did. And a frosty and I get that before practice. <laughs> well, there was a, there's a Starbucks. <laughs> that was it. Like everyone got coffee from Starbucks and we had to live on campus. There was an organic cafe down um, in Albany. Hopefully it's still around, but I had to drive like 10 minutes to get a good coffee that I would make sure that I'd do more often than not. I didn't have a car, but I had to find someone who was going there because I need, once I started to enjoy good coffee, you know the difference. Yeah, that's why you just stick with Nesc. Well, not Nescafe 43 is great coffee. There you you wanna, He's getting his sponsor. Sponsor, <laughs> sponsor. I just stick with that. Okay, last one. What everybody's been waiting for. <laughs> what was your first CD? Please tell me you bought a CD yeah. in your life. Yeah. Let me get it. No, I'm not going to guess. You're not going to guess, guess it. Uh, al- album or single? Uh, Well, I mean, either one. I mean, I guess. I think the album was an ACDC one because I think I was like, I was try- no, but I think I was trying to be like yeah, different. Yeah. Even old song. Different. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess I, I can I see. I specifically remember having the, the Bring Me to Life Essence. Oh, yeah. There we go. So I think because I was just like, this is an absolute banger. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I remember I got it from Sanity in Mount Barker. Sanity. So I wish there were still Sanities around. They so, do not exist anymore. Yeah. I um, I'm pretty sure that was it. And it's still that. Bang, that's just still a blank. Bang. Oh yeah, yeah. They they're still dining off that song. I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite band now? Not back then. Uh, or, oh, all time. Nah. All, I don't have. Do, I don't do have, have a band. One? I have a favorite song of all time. 
What is, what's yeah, that? Premier um, Life. Yeah, no, no, Google Dolls, <laughs> Iris. But, Google Dolls, Iris, but oh. the live in Buffalo version when they're playing in front Ooh, of, and it's very specific. bucketing down with rain and they're up there in front of their home fans and it is the most unbelievable. I still, if it's like raining outside and I've got a glass of red, I'll put that on and, <laughs> Ooh, a, and check that out. And it is honestly the best experience. That'll that has to be that version though. You can't watch. Ooh, I have to version. check that out. That sounds good. Not to not to brag, but I am going to Matchbox Twenty and Google Dolls in on the sixteenth. So they're here. Are they huh? here? Wait, yeah, they're here. Yeah. What? Matchbox, Matchbox 20, Twenty touring with Google Dolls. Google Dolls Where, is opening up. Which for one are you going to? Uh, what do you mean? Hang no, on. not the one at the winery. Oh, the I'm one going to the, the one at the winery. Are you really? Yeah, because we'd leave out that way. Where's the? Oh, they sold on. out. It's Why sold am I not? I'm no, no, no. It's nothing's a, ever sold out. It's, <laughs> a, it's at Rochford Winery. I'll, I'll make my way. Yeah, the winery ones are still there, but you could probably use your. Where's it at? Where's the other one? Rod Laver. Rod Laver, I think. Yeah, Rod Laver. Yeah. Gonna have to talk to somebody. You can't do it. You can't sort it out. Uh, I'll, I'll I'm going to be I'll all ask over Rob. This. I'm going <laughs> to DM Rob, but he doesn't hand got back to me in a long time. Nah, that would be epic. I've got to get all over that. That's, my, my I have partner, to check that song. My partner, a giant Matchbox Twenty fan. Me, I'm a big Iris man. Slide as well. Slide. Oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. They just got. They just got hits. Yeah, yeah. that and one so CD. When, just play that. Yeah. Play that it CD. Was a, it was a perfect meeting of the minds. It was a perfect handshake moment. Just like, yep, we're going. Oh, that's cool. I didn't I'm realize you were going too. You could have, that's, you've enlightened me. You've made my day. Yeah. Uh, do you think Matchbox trying to play any Rob Thomas songs? Yeah, maybe. You well, so? They know that's going to be a bit we of a went yeah. We went and saw Rob Thomas when he toured, toured like six years ago and he played a couple of Matchbox 20 yeah, songs. So yeah, you, yeah. you assume. You want a bit of, bit of Diamonds? Is that what it is? Diamonds on the floor. Is that one? Is that Rob Diamonds Thomas? on the inside? That's. No, not no, no, I know which one you're. Yeah, yeah, I don't know the name of it, but I'm all aboard trying to figure out a way to. Um, this is going to be my partner's we, favorite can, episode can, ever. Can you talking about Matchbox can you 20. clip this up and also just like tag like yeah, the Google yeah, Dolls and stuff? Tag, I'm trying to go yeah. like backstage. Who's I'm the lead tag? Who's the lead singer? Of the Google we'll get all the tags in. Yeah, we don't know. Just yeah. tag them all. Google Dolls, you want to sponsor Balls Fast Five or Matchbox <laughs> Twenty? <laughs> we could do that as well. Uh, yeah, well, that was that was cool. That was good uh, synergy there. Um, were you back when in 2010? Were you just a hip hop guy? Like I think back yeah, then you, you had to be right. You weren't cool like in college. Little John, my mostly little John. Get, get low. <laughs> oh, remember playing? You played basketball with Chris Brown. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came like I was doing it. I was coaching an IT camp back when you could get like what was it like twenty bucks and an hour a day, whatever it was. And uh, got, yeah. I remember got a phone call from someone at the 36ers being like, "Hey, uh, Chris Brown is before the concert and his crew want to play pickup." <laughs> and I was like, what? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, there's no way. And we went there and um, he, he balled out. Yeah. And you guys were doing dances. Yeah, you he, like did a dance. He beat, uh, the Dougie. He beat, um, it was me, Creek, Reese, Dinger, Darren Eng, uh, he oh, stood Ninja, up and, yeah. and, and, Ninja, and, and yeah. DJ. Um, and he, they, his team won. Uh, no, yeah. I think or is we, it mixed? We, we, no, no, it was his crew and him versus us. You let his team win. Yeah, he had to, right? Uh. That's disappointing. I remember he invited us he invited, if we wanted, because like, we all went to the concert. He goes, if you want to come like backstage and stuff. And I was like 17, 18 year old. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and as say, soon yeah, as we kidding. left and it became like a, a real chance, I was like, no, I'm not ready. Oh, really? <laughs> no, I didn't do you it. didn't do it. No, oh. I, just went, I just went and then hung in the crowd. Yeah, we, we all have regrets. Huh. Yeah. You know, so that's it. It was Good great. Time. Yeah. It's um those that we had great memories. Darren Ings, I talk about just because I brought him up, but I talk about CG and there's still a moment we were training at MSAC and I'm not sure what the three point contest they do at training anymore. Um, but one of them is just one rebounding for five minutes. Um, Ninja hit. 
Well, yeah. he had the free throws. Then he had a ridiculous amount of free throws. But it was he would have had the three point thing as well. Yeah, it was him and Jacob Holmes who would just continue to light it up. But um, CJ and Barley used to fight over me because I never, I knew I was never going to be on that board unless I was rebounding. And people always will be like, "Oh, who is rebounding for you?" So I was kind of getting fought over. Um, and I remember it was just like continuing to give him the seams. And this man didn't move from the wing unless he missed, and he missed two shots in five minutes. And yeah, I was like, was this is one of the most a dead eye. Yeah, and yeah. it was like, but again, both of those guys, it's like robotic it's like so mechanical yeah. and they just get in this mindset where it's it's nothing can bother them and it's literally those two are the greatest shooters i've ever seen in, in my in my own two eyes oh well that's i'll take a little bit of offense to that <laughs> i'm sitting right here well i also played against jj reddick who i idolized growing up as well so uh, i was yeah. um, so he, he might be he might be fourth he might be fourth uh, yeah. i found well, him on a three fourth isn't bad yeah i remember my first year with the club we were in cans and I just – sometimes when I'm on the road, I'll help the boys rebound if they need, um, just the assistant coaches. And I remember walking onto the court and Reese was just like, you've picked a good group. And it was uh, CG, Barlow and Jack White. Yeah. And no I misses. just just stood under the rim the whole time, just like straight through the net, into my hands, passed it back out. It was great. It's wild. It's And it's weird to think of it. It's like it's such a mental thing as well. Like the fact that you can do it for five minutes, not move, not change anything, not any distractions coming because people try and put him off and to break the record, but just to stay – Mental, it's unbelievable. It's yeah, it's why they're some of the best who have ever done it. All right, the, uh, turn on that, put on the end of the fast five jingle. Uh, <laughs> do we have an end no, jingle? We an need something because it's awkward trying to end it. I would almost say that was definitely the slowest fast five we've yeah. ever had. Again, yeah, it's an ironic, to no one's fault. it's ironic, it's an but, ironic um, term. We would be remiss if we didn't talk about the game coming up this weekend. Throw down 24. Uh, it's top versus bottom, but I don't think that ever really matters when no. you go into a throwdown. You, you know, you've finished up your time with United before the Phoenix yeah. came in, but you've seen this whole rivalry as it's progressed. Can you talk me through, I guess, what you've seen in the rivalry and, and what we can potentially expect from this matchup? Well, firstly, the matchup. I mean, it's a it's a danger game for for MU, no doubt about it. And I actually called. It's weird when when Melbourne went down to Adelaide and lost. I was calling the game before, and, uh, and so when Adelaide were rock bottom and struggling, and I was like, "This is a danger game." And I think Damon Lara was calling the game of me, and he was like, "Stop it!" He goes, to, and I was like, "No, this is one of those games where you just come in and you can't help but it's just." the way you are when you're top of the ladder versus the bottom and you've seen a team play poorly for the first you in the back of your mind there'll be two games in three nights there'll be the smallest of seeds saying hey we're not feeling our best for whatever reason we've played recently but we walk out here talent alone we're gonna win this game yeah and it, it's human like it, human nature to believe that on the smallest level that seed is planted and i thought that but this is another danger game because the the, the phoenix are up and about after last week and no one no one thought that they one would win a game let alone bounce back and actually compete with Perth the way they did. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a really tough matchup. But, yeah, I'm, I'm upset that I never got to – because, again, I grew up as an Adelaide Crows fan, so it's like I still don't like Port Adelaide fans, and that's kind of the rivalry that I've always known, and I wish that I kind of had that because to me it was – yeah, we had two championship series versus Perth, but I never felt like that rivalry was something that was like personal. For me, it was Adelaide because one, we went to a championship series, one of the best championship series of all time, and mm. if not the best in that five-game series, but just how crazy the, the atmosphere was playing in Adelaide every, every time. And, the t- and like the play, playing groups did not like each other. At all. I mean, Shannon Shorter was mm. having a lot to say, and yeah, it was. Um, there was some personal stuff there, and um, so that was the rivalry that I always had circled. But now we've seen this grow up and it's going to be an inevitable thing that's going to continue to grow. And I think it's great for the game. It's great for um, 
the city of Melbourne. And again, you 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 want to see the best go at it and you want to see them continue. And again, it's weird. It's like now being in a commentary box and being a neutral, you want to see a little bit of extra stuff, right? You want to see if someone say something and um, sometimes it doesn't cross a line, but that's just what happens when you've got two teams that are fighting for a territory um, and it always adds a little bit more. It doesn't matter where the ladder standings are. It, uh, it does mean a whole lot because it's it's not like the teams are going anywhere. They're just going to continue to grow. Mm, and I think it's one of those things where looking back in the history, no, neither of the teams have ever swept a season series like one four zero. We're 3-0 at the moment at, and so have the potential to do that on the weekend, but it sort of hasn't mattered whether United were at their, you know, top best, championship best, mm. and, and Phoenix weren't. It, you know, there's always potential for, for an upset in a really intense game when these two teams meet. Well, you mentioned at the start of this how Melbourne's trying to lock in top spot, right, how important that would be. Phoenix would love nothing more than to, mm. to put you a little bit of a roadblock for that because I keep bringing it back. That game three in Kudos Bank Arena semi-final series a few years ago when they were up nearly 20 at halftime. Mm. They were 20 minutes away from – they would have been champions. Right? Whoever won that game was going to be champions because I think Bryce was injured or something. Yeah, would, yeah Bryce was injured for Perth. So – Yes, they, it might have been a different story, but I still think that the winner of that series was going to be the eventual champions. And for for them to – the way they fell apart in that, in that second half in Melbourne just started to fly. It's like how did they need to get one back up on that because I look at that and I was like, man, that was like the third year they were in the league, right? And now mm. we're talking about how good Tassie's franchise has been since coming in. But like SEM were this close to winning a title. Like they were 20 minutes away from – Second year in the league. I think, second, yeah. Was it? Yeah, so they were 20 minutes away from winning a title, which in the second year would have been – unbelievable mm. and again it was who was standing in the way it was Melbourne United so that's always going to be in the back of everybody's mind and um it's it's great I get to look forward to, to sitting in and watching that and seeing two teams go at it and throwing some punches not not literally yeah figurative punches figurative punches maybe yeah maybe not. <laughs> well Pete we appreciate you coming in so much and you know telling us a bit about your story and, and giving us your insight on the on the league, you know, we, we always love you here at Melbourne United. You, you're forever a, a United staple. So uh, thanks so much for coming in. I, I appreciate you uh, taking the time. Thanks for having me.